0: As we uh, continue toward the tail end, we're in the last two or three messages of uh, our time in Ephesians. We're finally made it to the last chapter, the sixth chapter together. And Paul last week took us through what it means to love one another as husband and wife in the family. And today he looks at the important topic of parenting. And uh, and I, I, it's still a critical topic. We want our families to be healthy we want to be a good parent, and oftentimes there's no greater challenge than we feel, uh, you know, when you bring that little baby home and you wonder, am I going to break this, you know, uh, with with Lindsay? I know we felt that way, uh, you know. I, just if I can keep this little one around for a month, uh, you know, without without doing something, you know, and and just we never often probably never feel like we're good enough parents, and so Paul wants us to help us in that journey today. Um, but before I go any more into that I, I do want to say this uh, in future weeks uh, I've heard some feedback that when people watch our videos they don't it looks like nobody's here it looks like I'm preaching to an empty crowd so so if there are any courageous souls who like would love to sit on the front pew or up here at the front you know with our acolytes you know that that you just might consider that that way we look like you know, I, that all the people I can see, we would love for them to see at home too. So anyway, that's that's kind of a side deal. But uh, I do uh, thank our acolytes because they are taking up the front row for us. They've done a great job. Uh, I thank our choir and the music ministry and everybody, our ushers, our uh, technical sound people, everybody who contributes to helping us worship the Lord well together. I give thanks for all you today. Um, so... As we jump into the scripture, uh, this is what Paul talks about, and he does it, remember again, he does it in this context. This whole section is under the heading of submitting to one another out of reverence for our faith in Christ. Right, That's the whole deal. Is, it's, a, it's about mutual submission between husband and wife. Now he's going to talk about what mutual submission looks like between parents and children. Uh, and, uh, and on and on and on. So it's, it's under that heading, but this is what Paul writes for us this morning. Children, out there, kids, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And fathers, Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Lord Jesus, I just pray today, help us all reflect on our role as parents and grandparents, our role as children, no matter if we're 5 or 15 or 55. Um, Lord, this passage is to shape how we live as families. And so I just lift you up, Jesus, today. Pray that you might speak to us and guide us and help us grow, both as children and as mom and dads and grandmother and granddads. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, Paul starts his advice with the children in our midst today. And I find that whether you're 5 years old or 15, or as I said, I'm getting in my 50s, I'm still a child. I still have parents. And so Paul's first word to us is that Old Testament, you know, top 10 uh, laws kind of word, and that is, children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother because this is right. Because with this commandment comes a promise, he says, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And so Paul touches base with us as kids, the kid side of us, uh, with parents who are living or even maybe some who've gone on to be with the father. How can we honor our parents? How can we obey them? How can we do what is right? Because it's what God commands, because it's what Jesus commands, because it's the right thing to do. And as Paul writes here, it is also a promise for us. Paul sees that our parents have a lot of wisdom that they've poured into us, into our hearts, into our lives in so many ways, especially those of us who have been blessed with, with really good parents, and I, I was blessed with really good parents that wanted my best. They weren't perfect. They would have, you know, occasional arguments, you know, all that kind of stuff, but yet they passed a lot of goodness on to me, which I give thanks for. And there were times with growing up where I really didn't want to obey them, though. You know, there's always those moments, especially when you're teenagers. You know, I still remember the one time I wanted to go to the party. And my mom thought, well, the party's not going to have parents. And it's going to have alcohol. And I don't know what it's going to be like. And I was like, no, it's a church party. These are church kids. Well, you know, I won't do anything bad, I promise. But mom said, no, you know, it's on the other side of Atlanta. You can't go. And I was probably mad at her, like, for a month. Uh, because she wouldn't let me go to the party, you know, but that's part of our struggle as, as children, you know, but I still obeyed, I didn't go, I didn't sneak out, uh, but but we have to learn to learn from the wisdom of our parents, and as our parents age, you know, now my parents are in their early mid-70s, uh, both my parents and Andrea's parents, and and they still are vi- vibrant and healthy and all those kind of things, but we also do see that, that in some sense our role with them slowly begins to change a bit as we uh, uh, begin to have to say, how do, I, how do I support them in their later years? How do I help them when they do have needs or things that are challenging for them? How do I, How do I as a son still honor them by making sure that they're you know, next 15, 20, hopefully 30 years will continue to be blessed years. And so this is the instruction that Paul gives us out of the beginning. And I know for us that have had good parents, uh, you know, a lot of us, we would give all we could back for our mother and back for our father. But I know as I talk to you today that some of you here, you say, but Chris, it's hard for me. Because I grew up with a single mom or I grew up with dysfunctional parents and home life I just I didn't want to be there at all I didn't want to be around it how do I honor that type where where for me growing up was just a challenge to survive and I often felt like I had to grow up independently and on my own and and I, I you know that's that's something I can't relate to, but but the one thing I would share is even with broken parents, I think we can find ways that the Lord will instruct us and teach us. Uh, sometimes their wisdom, sometimes sometimes they still share good things with us, but even when they share brokenness with us that we didn't ask for, sometimes that can be just as much a way of honoring them too, as we say. I see my parents doing this thing, and I know as I get older, I, I don't really want to go that direction. I want to try something else. And perhaps that can be a way of honoring even broken parents that we've grown up with or had, is finding ways to, because I know God will bring good out of the worst that we go through. God looks for ways to redeem your life Uh, there's a little phrase in the Prophets that God wants to restore the years the locusts have eaten. and So even if you've maybe had some challenging relationships with your parents, it's still not too late for God to do something positive through that relationship in your life. And in some sense in this, oftentimes if you look carefully, the Lord will surprise, surprise you and support you with maybe surrogate parents, right? And that's why I don't think it's, it's any uh, question why he says here, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. And there's two ways to understand that. One, that, one way it is, means is when your parents teach you the wisdom that is connected to the creator of the universe, then, then that gives you reason to listen and learn and obey them. But the flip side of that is, the parents who help you grow in your faith may not be your birth parents, but they are also your spiritual parents, and they can be a huge blessing too. I think one of the greatest examples of that that we have seen on the big screen in the last 15 years is the movie Blindside with Sandra Bullock. You remember that one, right? How Michael Orr, you know, he was trying to be raised by a single mom, but it was a single mom wrestling with addiction. And so Michael basically had to raise himself until the Tui family came along and found him and adopted him kind of into their own family and helped him believe in himself, believe in that he's a capable human being, that, that he can be better than his past, and and really tried to find ways to come alongside him and eventually in the movie come alongside his mom to find a way to help. Michael be the best he could be and so he had to catch up he was like five years behind in school and the teachers find a way to help him begin to learn because he was a really smart kid he just didn't know it and then after that he went on right to, to be a, a, a blind side blocker in college at Old Miss uh, and then he went on to be an NFL pro for several years and just retired not too long ago The story of Michael Orr is a great story of of sometimes when we don't have the perfect parents, the Lord can still find a way to show us some parents in the Lord who will invest in us. It may be a teacher at school. It may be another relationship. It may be a church relationship. But that is who we are to be and who we want to be. So children, whether you're 5 or 15 or 55, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is the right thing to do, because when we learn wisdom from our families, we will have an opportunity to enjoy a long life on the earth. And then the second part is is our role as parents. Uh, as we said in the ancient world, we would expect Paul to say this to the children. But what we probably would not expect is for him then to reverse it and then talk to the moms and dads, especially the dads in the ancient world, where he says, Dads, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so he flips it on its head and he reminds dads, even dads in the ancient world could sometimes, if they're not careful, they could make their children's life miserable, and in making their children's life miserable could strain that relationship in a way that would cause friction, that would cause rebellion, that would cause problems for the family and for society at large. And so when he says here, do not exasperate, literally it means do not make your children angry in ways that they keep being angry with you and at you and rebellious and hurt and wounded and all those kind of things. Instead, you've got to train them. You've got to discipline them. You've got to shape their lives so that when they become adults, they are the kind of adults that, that God wants to see. And so in shaping and training and correcting, you want to do that in the instruction of the Lord God. So what I think Paul is trying to tell us here is the best way to parent is what I might call balanced parenting. I think he's encouraging balanced parenting. because when I see when I see healthy families, they are families that keep uh, certain values in tension. And like most of life and most of faith, when you push something to an extreme, uh, that's usually an unhealthy place to be. But when you find the tension, say between grace and truth as Jesus came to bring, or the tension between love and uh, commandments, You know when you find that tension in the middle that's the healthiest place to be and so I think that's what Paul's talking about here he's talking about his parents learning to be healthy parents and avoid the extremes and and I've thought of three areas to kind of hope hopefully this will help you understand this a little better the first area is the area of boundaries right in the area of boundaries he talks here you need to have clear boundaries that will shape your child and so on the one hand I've seen parents that have little to no boundaries, and so they hand, hand hand off the keys to the family, like they'd hand off to the keys to their, you know, nice BMW vehicle that's brand new, to the kids. And they say, kids, run the family. And so the kids that have no boundaries are often the kids that, you know, they stay up as little ones they may be up till 11 o'clock and the only way mom and dad puts them to bed is when they fall asleep watching tv at 11 p.m and the only uh, things they eat are the things that they really really like you know they never have to try the vegetables they never have to you know but it's just the junk food and i've seen families that just let the kids run the show with hardly any boundaries and it's it's frustrating. It's discouraging. It spoils the kids so much that it just, it's not good for them. They need some structure. They need some boundaries. They need a nap. And if they don't need a nap, mom and dad needs a nap, right? But there are some families that just, they tr- I would just want to be my kid's friend, and so I'm just going to do whatever they want, and you know they can tell me, you know, no. If you're gonna raise children, you gotta have some boundaries. God gave us boundaries. He gave us 625 commandments about how to live a holy life if we were Israelites, you know, and still at least ten or more, you know, are still very valuable today. So boundaries are important. But then there's the other side, we can go the other way. And there are some parents that just not only do they have rules, but they have rules on top of the rules, and the rules make sure that the kids can't have any fun, they can't have any friends. You know, uh, you know, instead of maybe choosing homeschooling because it's the best option for our family, they choose homeschooling because they don't want their kid to be influenced by anybody else in the world. And when families have so much restrictions on their children, uh, throughout their entire lives, their kids feel so... Oppressed by so many rules that they can't keep up with, what happens when they're finally free? Woohoo! Party! I don't have to listen to mom and dad anymore. I can go wild because they can't tell me what to do anymore. And it's all because instead of not enough rules, we have kept things too constricted. And so there's a balance in parenting of having discipline, but encouraging freedom, encouraging some safe exploration, some safe living to develop them as human beings. So that's one area. A second area is in the area of closeness within the family, emotional closeness. And again, here there are two extremes that often can be quite unhealthy. And, And one of the unhealthy area of closeness is when a family is too close. Together, too enmeshed, too codependent. Uh, you might see this uh, with parents. Maybe, maybe they're struggling emotionally. Uh, you know, it, it might. Maybe if you're a single parent, especially, um, and if you're a parent that you you're not getting your emotional needs met, right? You're empty, and you're craving for love, and you're craving for approval. And so, as a parent, you look to your child. And you begin making your child the one who is going to fulfill your emotional needs. And that is not healthy for you, and that's not healthy for your child, because that enmeshed relationship puts too much of an adult emotional burden on a 6-year-old, or a 10-year-old, or a 15-year-old. There's got to be a little emotional dis- Does that make sense, how that can be? On, you've probably seen stuff like that. But then on the other side, and on the other side, you can have too much emotional distance. Now, I've seen families over here that, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, when the kids are six, they're on their own. You know, they don't know. Actually, I think of this. I, I was watching Ryald, Ryan Reynolds, you know, the movie star. He brought, bought Wrexham, uh, which is a soccer, I love watching soccer stuff. So he, he bought a soccer team in England. And he was telling about sort of why he has become who he has become and one of the reasons he says is cuz you know I always wanted my dad's approval and i've just i never felt like my dad you know i i didn't know how to get it and so he has he has sought he has made money he has made movies and at the heart of it and his dad is dead his dad died several years ago but he still kind of craves that emotional approval but but there was no there was there was not the intimacy there with his dad that he felt like his dad approved him or valued him or supported you know and when we put kids in a place where they kind of feel like they're on their own and they don't know if they're loved and they don't know if they're supported and they don't know if there is anybody who'll pick them up when they fall that's, that's not a good place to be, right? So in closeness, we want, we want against somewhere in the healthy place. Close, but not too close. Loving, kind, supportive. And then the third area that I've seen is in the area of achievement. In the area of achievement. I, you know, and, and I know even our kids, uh, you know... Um, uh, one of my girls, uh, you know, you can tell when she senses that that we're picking, you know, a favorite daughter over her, right? Uh, and so she does. She, well, you just, I'm never going to live up to so and so, right? Uh, and and we we can do that, and that oftentimes has to do with achievement. So on the one hand, it can be apparent that that if your grades aren't straight A's, then you're in big trouble, and we're going to shut you down, and we, this is what we expect. I, I in youth group when I was a youth pastor a long time ago I I had some kids that were they're kind of blue-collar kids you know they're going to get probably B's and C's in school but they just they wanted they're good workers they got good work ethic but they're not the A students you know and they were struggling mom and dad are expecting A's and I don't know how to give them A's right but that that achievement level was there or sometimes it can be with sports you know oh, our kid needs to be great at football or great at baseball or great at soccer. And so they seek that achievement. And if the achievement is not up to the level, then they feel like they're nothing, right? They feel like they can't compete. And then on the other side are the kind of parents that tell their kids they've already figured out by the time they're three, you're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. You know, I don't, you shouldn't even try. You know, you're going to be held behind at school. You're never going to, you know. And so constantly in the home, they're being told that they're never good enough. They're never going to amount to anything. And then when they get to school, you know, it's it, the, the, there's no way. Because here there is no achievement level, right? They've already been set into a picture. You're somebody who's going to fail, so just get used to it. So what Paul is saying to to moms and dads is, listen, don't exasperate your children by, by getting into these unhealthy areas, but instead raise them up, train them in the Lord. Shape them in Christ. And that brings us to the last piece, and the best thing that we can give our children, the best thing, more than a great education, more than being a tremendous athlete, uh, more than tennis lessons or music lessons or anything we can give the best thing we can give our kids is a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the number one thing you can give your kids is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the main thing that will help you, it's one of the parents' greatest privileges. Our greatest privilege is that we can disciple our children and help them embrace God's best life from a young age. That's one of our greatest, you know, we're called to be disciple makers, and if no other area of life, we get to do it in our own home. And so how do we do that? How do we shape them in the Lord? The first is, as brothers and sisters, it starts with your faith. If your faith in Jesus is intimate and on fire and grounded and healthy and real, And loving, and if it's filled with the fruit of the Spirit, if that's where your faith can be on a moment by moment basis most of the time, your kids will notice that. If it's the kind of faith that they see you not just uh, listening to on Sunday, but they see you living it out Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. They see you living it out in your relationship with your spouse. They see you living it out at work. They see you living it out being a servant in the community to the least and the last and the lost. You see, um, I want to share with you today, I think Tony Campolo came up with this. Uh, He did a whole sermon on it. I'm just going to give you a brief overview. It's called The Three Chairs. Have you ever heard the sermon of the three chairs? Y'all haven't. Okay, well, here you go. That's why I've moved the chair today. This is the chair of faith, right? This is the chair of faith. When we have a vibrant faith in Jesus, when we have experienced His saving grace, when we seek to follow Him on a moment by moment basis, we place our life in the chair of faith. And our kids catch it, and they notice it, and they know, yes. We're going to church, and yes, we're going to Sunday school, and yes, we're involved in small groups, and yes, we serve on the Habitat board or serve on uh, Meals on Wheels or whatever it is. They see that, and as a result, most, not all, but most kids who see us in this place live out our faith, they'll want something like it too. And so for a lot of them, they may want to sit in this chair of faith themselves because they want what they've seen us have. Some of them, though, as they get older, uh, they think it's the chair of faith, but it's not quite. And so some of our kids, instead of sitting in the chair of faith, they've looked at us, they like our model, and instead of sitting in the chair of faith, they sit in the next chair over, and that's the chair of duty. The chair of duty. And so these parents, they still go to church, they still maybe go to Sunday school. They still kind of do churchy things. But the heart and the Holy Spirit is not very active in it. And it's almost like these parents, at some level, are kind of faking it. And, uh, and the, kids, the kids pick up on when we fake things, parents. They've, they've got a nose for, uh, for faking things. And so the chair of duty uh, still seems like good citizens, good people, good, good kind of Christian person, but, but there's something missing behind the scenes that's not authentic. It's not a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so parents, if, if we sit here and think, well, I'm a good citizen, I'm a good person, we have to be careful because if we're not careful and if the kids do see that it's not real on the deep inside, and they will end up over here in the third chair. And this third chair is where we see our culture headed. This third chair is the chair of no faith, the chair of secularism, the chair that says, well, you know, I saw my parents, and they talked a good game, but it really wasn't making a difference in their lives, and it really didn't impact how they treated each other, and it didn't impact how they treated me, and it didn't impact how they treated their neighbors who were... Maybe of a different race or a different color or a different ethnicity. And so instead, I I just heck with it. I might as well play golf. I might as well, you know, go have fun. I might as well party. I might as well do other things. Because though my parents meant well, I could tell it really wasn't making a difference. And so if we want to raise our kids, whether we're parents or grandparents or even great-grandparents, sharing your authentic faith in jesus is key living your authentic faith in jesus is key because if we fake it our kids will notice so if you want to discipline them and and shape them and train them in the instruction of the lord it starts by you having a vital faith in the lord jesus christ yourself and so those are the lessons that paul has for us today and so as I close, I just want to ask you as children, how are you doing in honoring your father and mother? Whether they're here on earth or maybe they've already gone into the kingdom, is there something maybe you can do this week just to say thank you or just to say I love you in some way, shape, or form? I challenge you, maybe think of a way that you can honor your parents, whether you're 15 or 35 or 80 and then the second one is is parents and grandparents I want to encourage you have you done at being kind of a balanced parent that can be healthy and help uh, help our kids be the best they can be help us see an authentic faith in Jesus that they will want for themselves Um, if you get that right All the other stuff will usually fall into place. And so uh, I pray today for you, for our families, that we might see God's best on our children, our children's children, to the third and fourth generation, now and forever for God's glory, because God cares about your families and my family. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for those of us who still see that that we are children today, help us honor our father and mother. Help us continue to learn from their legacy and heritage. Help us continue to find ways to be a blessing after they have blessed us in growing us up and helping us become the kind of people we are. And Father God, I pray us today that you would help us give our hearts more deeply to you that we might have a more vibrant faith that will help our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren catch on fire for Jesus in a way that just makes them fall in love with you and to sit in that first chair of fiery faith. Lord, uh, our heart breaks when we see our our family and our culture, choose the lesser chairs of duty or secularism or no faith. Lord Jesus, help us be a blessing to our families and friends with a vibrant love for you, Lord Jesus. And we give you all the thanks and prayer and praise because you have not given up on us and so, Lord, we do not give up on you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.